Our sermon text is from the Old Testament, you heard. I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven, th- driven them and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, for they shall not be lacking, says the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. The prophet Jeremiah endured mockery, imprisonment, kidnapping, and death threats from the people of God, the people God had sent them or sent him to help. He was sent with a message warning them, like John the Baptist some decades later, or centuries later, he warned them of the wrath that was to come. And God's word came true. King Nebuchadnezzar defeated the Jews. His soldiers carried off the royal family. The temple was ransacked and destroyed. The city was burned with fire. The Babylonians set up a new governor over the area, and then they went back to their land. As they left, they also released Jeremiah from prison and told him, go live a happy life. But the story doesn't end there. Not too long thereafter, a neighboring nation assassinated the governor that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and the Jews were left with two options. Stay in their land or flee and immigrate to Egypt as refugees. They asked Jeremiah, the prophet who remained, what the Lord would have them do. And he promised that if they stayed in the land of Israel, they would flourish. They would live in peace under Babylonian rule. God would have compassion on them. But if they disobeyed, then God would bring the Babylonians back against the Egyptians, and the Jews would be annihilated when Egypt was conquered. Well, rather than listen to the prophet Jeremiah, the Jews chose to go to Egypt anyway. This is why Jeremiah is known to this day as the weeping prophet, for good reason. Jeremiah's message, the whole book indeed, is heartbreaking. The people have forsaken God, and now he will destroy them. Even as Jeremiah calls them back from guaranteed destruction, they still do not listen. The relationship between prophet and people, between God and people, is broken. These people have broken away from their God. But why was this? They became, the people, complacent, distracted, easily manipulated and coerced by their political and religious leaders. They were to the individual woefully unprepared for even the slightest adversity that might come their way. They are unprepared to see that they are being manipulated. And those who dare even to speak of it are seen to be out of touch. Today's prophetic preachers are no different. They are called to stand firm word of God, to speak in the spirit, to speak against every lie that would tear you away from Jesus. And they are given to say every word 
that is good, right, and faithful in Christ. The evil of this world, the false prophets of this world, and even our own flesh doesn't need any inspiration. Our flesh and the evil of this world needs no motivation or collaborators or incentive to bring about disorder, to sow chaos, to destroy what God has built up. They don't even need a conspiracy to do it. This is what the prophets and the apostles call an encroaching darkness. And that darkness doesn't just come from without, out in the world, but it comes from within, within the flesh. What that means is it requires God working by his word and through the spirit, having put on Christ to coordinate, to collaborate, to actually conspire against the forces of darkness in the heavenly places. And that's what God is about right now, through the prophetic word. He's gathering together his faithful church, equipping, it, equipping them and guiding them in each and every little skirmish of this world. And he, as the commander of the Lord's army, is directing the war, the battle. But God's people don't believe this. We think, well, it'd be easier just to cooperate and get along. We've been coddled and comfortably lulled into an on-demand world where even education and health, personal protection and ambition are all outsourced, somebody else's responsibility. Instead of relying upon God for everything needed for your body and life, God's people today look for validation, sustenance, guidance, protection, truth, identity, and even virtue from others who are not God. And God's people today avoid disrupting the normal and play within the boundaries that others set for them who are not holy, godly, because they are not and do not obey God. But maybe you think you're unique. You're prepared. Maybe you're even a prepper. You can't be manipulated. You can see through all the lies. You can handle any adversity. You've got the rainy day fund and more. You could never become so complacent and distracted that you wouldn't accept God's help when he sends a preacher to you like Jeremiah. You didn't catch the sarcasm. It was there. For all your confidence, you, like all of God's people, are exactly like the Jews of Jeremiah's day. You willingly trade God's promises for false guarantees of health and well-being. You'll sacrifice your freedom in Christ for perceived safety from others. You believe any expert that promises a comfortable life, even if you know what they say is a lie. You obey any authority that promises a future that's better than the present, even though the track record of actually creating such a better future, well, there is no such example throughout history. And this is all because you, like God's people of old, don't listen to him. And that's why it's so easy for others to control you. 
And when, when God then sends you a preacher like Jeremiah to warn, advise, and help you, well, then maybe you throw him in prison like Jeremiah. So they asked Jeremiah what the Lord would have them do. And then he promised them that if they stayed in the land of Israel, they would flourish. They would live in peace under Babylonian rule. God would have compassion on them. And again, if they disobeyed, God would bring the Babylonians against the Egyptians, and the Jews would be annihilated and scattered when Egypt was conquered. And again, the Jews chose not to listen to God and the comforting words that his prophets spoke, but instead fled to Egypt anyway. But that's not the end of Jeremiah's message, and it isn't without hope. As much as we call him the weeping prophet, Jeremiah also promises restoration and return for the Jews. And as he prophesied, it came to pass, 59 years later, and is recorded for us in the book of Ezra. Jeremiah also looks forward, even to the not-so-distant future, to the righteous king from the line of David, who will arise and assume his throne at the right hand of God. The Lord is our righteousness, or as you know him, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he said, Behold, the days are coming, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper, and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. That's the message of Jeremiah. It's the message of all God's preachers. And it's the message of Advent. This is the message that God has appointed me to proclaim to you today and to announce to the nations and the kingdoms of this earth. As it said in Jeremiah 1, to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, and then, in Jesus, to build and to plant. So listen now before it's too late. Listen to the word of Jeremiah. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. This tree does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. Even in a year of drought, it has no worries and never fails to bear fruit. This is what Jesus has given me to preach to you. Jesus died so that you could be rooted in the streams of his baptismal waters and that promise that he forgives you. He has already saved you from ultimate destruction. He has marked you with his divine and saving name in baptism. So you have now only one authority, one leader, one voice, one word that you listen to above all others. His name is Jesus. And do you remember what his name means? It means God saves. Jesus saves you from eternal, hellacious annihilation because of your sin. He died as the one and only sacrifice to atone for all your sin. And blessed, then, are you. Jesus is Savior for you. As much doom and gloom as Jeremiah prophesied, 
That is the central message of Jeremiah and all of God's preachers. And it's the message of Advent. You will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Thanks be to Jesus in his holy name. Amen.